Hi, hello, and uh, welcome to the latest episode of the Big Football Podcast. Uh, Hoffman, as always, my name's Dan, and I'm joined this evening by Paul. Good evening, Dan. And we're not joined by Khan this week. Um, we, we were a bit busy on, on the bank all the weekend, but um, I've had to let Khan have another week off as he's now helping Count Binface to plot his next move. <laughs> yeah, just a bit of life admin at the moment, Dan, isn't there? I think Khan's... Khan's missus has just moved house, and I'm in the process of trying to move house, so it's just a bit dip- more difficult than normal just to get us all together. Yeah, and I'm not really in the mood for talking about football, quite frankly. <laughs> the end of the season can't come quick enough for me. Um, speaking of the end of the season, I'm I'm kind of guilty of still, even though it's not been sponsored by Coca-Cola for about 10 years, calling it the Fizzy Pop Championship. And I kind of need to get my naming conventions, because I call the the Carabao Cup, the Carling Fizzy Pop Pointless Cup, and I call it sometimes call the Thursday Night Cup the Fizzy Pop Thursday Cup. When <laughs> I say Fizzy Pop Championship, that's just a historic thing between us, wherein it was sponsored by Coca Cola. I yeah. love the championship. I notoriously do not love the League Cup or the uh, <laughs> the Europa League. So with that out of the way, I was absolutely gripped by the end of the season. Um, Wayne Rooney stayed up by the thinnest hair on his head, which is very thin, believe <laughs> you and me. Yeah, I, you know, in the end, Derby came through, didn't they, yesterday, Dan? But that was a dramatic game back and forth. Um, I think at different points yesterday, Sheffield Wednesday was staying up, Rotherham was staying up, and then ultimately in the last sort of 10 minutes when it really mattered, it was it was Derby who were above the line. And, and when the final whistles went, that's how it remained. So um, huge relief, I'm sure, for Derby. Uh, the planning starts now to make sure that they're not in that same position next season. Um, obviously, Wayne took over partway through this season. He will now get a proper off-season, a proper crack at it next year. will be interesting to, you know... I, th- I think, to be fair to Wayne Rooney, we have to judge him on, on that when he, he gets that opportunity. Hopefully, they're backing to bring in a couple of players that, that he identifies, and, and then we can get a proper judgment on, on Wayne Rooney's first foray into management next season. Um, for Sheffield Wednesday, in the end, the points deduction was just too hard to overcome. I, I have to say, I still think when I look at the quality in that squad, they've underachieved. Um, they've got good players, and to finish bottom of the championship, I know they had the points deduction, um, but but there'll be some hard lessons to be learned from from that Sheffield Wednesday. And, you know, it took them years to get out of League One, didn't it? Or it seemed like it anyway, last time they were in it. And then they came into the Championship and had a couple of years in the playoffs, I think made a playoff final, um, you know, one game away from getting back to the Premier League. Uh, and it, it sort of all, all fallen apart again. And, you know, the sanctions for breaking financial fair play are, are fair as, you know, fair as fair can be. Um, and they've ended up paying for it. I think Rotherham and Wickham, um, I have sympathy for both because, you know, small budgets in that league, uh, having to, to work wonders, particularly Gareth Ainsworth at Wickham. I don't think you can say enough about the job that he's done in his time there, not just in making them competitive this season and in the end only going down by a point, um, but in getting them from League Two into the Championship in the first place. An incredible achievement. Um you know, if there are clubs out there in the championship looking for a manager this summer, I'd be amazed if they don't pick the phone up to Gareth Ainsworth. Because um, didn't Wickham as well lose something like seven of their first nine or something silly like that, Dan? And then the second half of the season, they, they've got to grips with football at this level. And you've got to think Ainsworth's given an opportunity with a slightly better level of player and maybe a slightly bigger budget. 
would have a chance to be a really successful manager. Um, well, I, I've had my eye on Wickham for a while, purely simply because um, my lad was a mascot at Bolton last, like just before lockdown last season. And I, they were playing Wickham, so I got a good look at Wickham that day and I thought, yeah, they play good football. Um, yeah. I, I was also struck by um, Gareth Ensworth's uh, status quo leather jacket, um, which he, he continues to rock even on Soccer Tuesday or whatever he manages to get on. Um, so, yeah, I, I've had my eye on Wickham for a while and um, they've only just come down in the end. I think they went down by a yeah. point. Um, yeah. I, the, I completely agree with you that Ainsworth's done a fantastic job. And if he, if he doesn't go, you would think that they will be back again or certainly be right in the mix to come back out to League One. Yeah, you would. I, I think they'll, um, they'll be competitive in League One next season. He's just a good football manager, isn't he, at the end of the day. And uh, the... Um, you know the the proof is in the pudding, and and as you say, very unlucky in the end to uh, to get relegated. If we look towards the playoffs, then um, Brentford and Bournemouth were, t- were my two favourites to get to Wembley, and they've managed to draw each other. Yeah, it, it, it's a shame because I thought the same, Dan. I thought they were the two teams who maybe it's not just get to Wembley, but the two who look the most capable of coming up and adapting to the Premier League. And that's nothing against Swansea or Barnsley. Obviously, Swansea have been up recently. Barnsley, we've talked about them before on this podcast, what a great season they've had. Um, So it isn't meant as an insult to either of those two teams, but I feel like Bournemouth and Brentford are the two who could come up and adjust. Bournemouth have only just gone down. Um, Brentford have been there and thereabouts for a few years, have done well against Premier League teams in cup competitions. Um, I would favour whoever wins that semi-final to win the final. Uh, I'm looking forward so much to the semi-finals. I think championship semi-finals uh, of playoffs are some of the best games you'll see all season. So, um, really, really looking forward to it. And uh, it'll be interesting to see who comes out of it. If I had to, um, if I had to sort of guess now, make a prediction, I would go Brentford. That's probably the obvious one. They finished third. They were seven points clear of fourth um, last year. They just didn't quite find their best form did they in the playoff games and it'll be interesting to see whether they can get over that mental hurdle as much as anything else I think the thing I'm looking at the playoffs and it's normally the form team that come up Uh, it certainly happened uh, admittedly automatically but in in the lower league where Bolton won a lot of the the last 16 games to, to, to pinch a spot I'm looking at the playoffs now and I don't see anyone in particularly brilliant form to be honest Bournemouth were but they've kind of taken the rest and rotate approach in the yeah. last few weeks so I, I, I think it's really difficult to pick who's going to come up I mean, it'll be exciting and entertaining whatever happens but I, I don't identify anyone as yeah this will definitely be the, the strongest team I, I, I think it could be it could be any one of the four yeah, it definitely could. It's going to be really interesting. Yeah, what's uh, what's Danny Wilson doing? Is he going to lead lead um, another Barnsley Premiership charge? Because it was called I Premiership that, when they were last in everything. Yeah, I think Danny Wilson's managerial career never quite after that season at Barnsley got the Sheffield Wednesday job, didn't he? And that was supposed to be his big break, and um, his career never really. Well, it broke his career. It was a big break, but not in the way it normally. Yeah, is. yeah, yeah. That's probably fair. That's probably fair. Yeah. Um, uh, certainly one of my worst memories as a, as a football fan was uh, Liverpool nil, Barnsley won. We managed to we contrived to lose at home to Barnsley. I think it was Ashley Ward who scored in front of the cop. 
Another former crew boy, Dan. Mm-hmm. What's um, what's um, David Watson doing? He was the goalkeeper, wasn't he? He was. He, well, he had a spell as England's goalkeeping coach. I don't know what he's doing these days. Um, but he's very highly respected as a goalkeeping coach. Um, and definitely when Hodgson was manager, he was, he was working with the England goalkeepers. Yeah, certainly Liverpool got outplayed by Eric Tinkler and Darren Sheridan. Yeah, names names from the past. Yeah, I, I remember the, the the last day. I think it might have been the, the penultimate game of the season. We went to Oakwell and won three two, and there was pitch invasions and all kind. It was an absolutely manic game of football. Uh, we had, we were wearing that absolutely hideous yellow shirt with the red V collar. <laughs> I remember the one. Yeah. Anyway, before we get accused of bringing it back to Liverpool, which I always seem to do because I can't help it, um, League One. Kind of a bit of a less dramatic day. All of the relegation spots were decided. The two automatic promotion spots were decided. Uh, today it was just a case of do Portsmouth. Um, it was Portsmouth and Oxford, o- wasn't it? Oxford or Charlton or Charlton. Yeah. yeah d- d- who who did the bit? Um, Portsmouth lost one nil. Very tepid and quite timid performance from them. To be honest, they didn't deserve to win. They lost one nil to Accrington. Oxford did their job there, won four nil. I think that Charlton did their job as well, but the goal difference was far, far in, inferior. Yeah, I think I think Charlton ended up winning, but I think Oxford have, have nicked that sixth spot. They have, yeah. Um, you know, I kind of get the feeling maybe eventually this is Sunderland's turn uh, in those League One playoffs, but you know, never never guarantee anything with Sunderland <laughs> would be my um, would be my recommendation. Uh, I think the right two teams have come up automatically. We've talked about that previously. I think Peterborough and Hull were the two best sides. I fancy Sunderland to come up out of the playoffs. Um, I'd like to see Oxford do it. I actually tipped Oxford to come up through the playoffs last year, and I was probably a year or two early on them. Um, they just hadn't quite got themselves to that point yet where they were uh, they were ready. But Cole Robinson's the manager there, and people will remember him from his, his good spell at Milton Keynes Dons when he was you know, touted for some quite big jobs. And then uh, eventually he, he did move on and things didn't quite work out at Charlton in his, in his next job. But he's done a really good job over the two or three years he's been at Oxford now and, you know, a chance to get back into the championship, which uh, it's a long time since Oxford have played in the second tier. You're going back to mid-90s, I think. So, um, yeah, again, love the playoffs. We'll, we'll really enjoy watching those semi-finals. If I ha- I'm not being very original here. I picked Brentford, who are probably the favourites, and Sunderland, who are probably the favourites. Um, but there we go. Uh, no doubt I'll be wrong. At, at the other end of the table, as you said, Dan, you know, long, long since decided. I think when you look at those teams that ended up in the relegation mire, and it's the same with Sheffield Wednesday in the league above. So often, what you end up seeing is endless managerial changes. I think Swindon, we all know what happened with Richie Wellens. He left to go to Salford. That didn't last long at Salford. He got sacked. It never seems to um, last long at Salford. No, and then uh, Swindon appointed John Sheridan and it never seems to last long anywhere for John Sheridan and he got sacked. And, you know, it, it's just been one of those seasons for the, the teams that went down. Obviously, Northampton only came up last year, as did Swindon. They were probably both up against it from the, from the off. Uh, first season back in in the third tier, um, Rochdale have diced with death probably one or two too many times now, haven't they? And, and that ultimately caught up with them. So again, I would expect Swindon if they can clear the decks to 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 be competitive at the top end of League Two next season. They're they're a yo-yo club, and to an extent, I think Northampton are probably the same. And and 
um, our friend and uh, podcast guest Tom Rostance might might have a better view than me on their chances of bouncing back next year. But um, he's a big Cobblers fan. Uh, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see both of those teams having had one year in League One, whether they can go back down and, and come back stronger. I think you make a good point there. I think it was difficult for all of the promoted teams last season because there was a shorter gap between yeah. pr- promotion and the new season starting because we had that mad rush. I completely agree, Dan. And what that meant is they had to much more than you see promoted teams tend to do. They they had to go with what they got. Um, now, actually, you know, my own second team, as as you will know, crew of I think they finished twelfth in the end today. Finished in the top half. Again, first season up promoted last year. Incredible season, really, to, to have, have come 12, I think probably beyond expectations at the start. Um, maybe crew benefited a little bit because they've had a bit more of a sort of consistency and they've got a younger squad who've been together for a longer period. Um, but for those clubs who've kind of built squads to get out of League Two, there wasn't much time to do that surgery that you sometimes need to then get a squad that's going to be competitive in League One. Uh and as a result, I think, you know, Swindon and Northampton have obviously found it very difficult. And as I say, with, with Swindon in particular, uh, some extenuating circumstances as well. I know Northampton had a manager change. I think uh, they sacked Keith Curl, didn't they, after Christmas? Um, but in the end, uh, to, to no avail. Um, and both both fall back through the trapdoor. Yeah. Uh, just going back to, to, to League One for a promotion for a second, I'd like Lincoln to go up, but I, they look like they're out of steam to me. Um, yeah, they had a f- fantastic first half of the year, Lincoln. Um, but I think you're right, Dan. They've they've sort of limped a bit since Christmas. Um, and you know, it does sometimes happen that 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 turns into a sort of grand national horse that just stays on at the same pace and somehow sort of you know gets over the line in the playoffs. But ordinarily, I think you're you're right. The 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 thing that tends to happen is it's the teams who've come in in better form in the second half of the season that that make it. Yeah, and uh, that's quite frankly not Lincoln. But again, playoff football, anything can happen. But Indeed. I, I, I would be with you in, in if Sunderland don't do a Sunderland, Sunderland should get promoted. <laughs> but it's Sunderland, so anything can happen. <laughs> What's Jack Rodwell doing? Um, if if we move on to not not a lot, I don't think. <laughs> pro- probably not. Um, League Two. I've kind of been more aware of that situation because of um, the layout of my household. Um, <laughs> so Bolton clinched the final spot yesterday. Um, yeah. They absolutely wiped the floor with a with, with Crawley. You have nothing really to play for. Mm. And um, they were joined in promotion by Cheltenham, uh, yeah. who were already up because of results midweek and uh, Cambridge United. And Cambridge are my Oxford of League Two. I tipped them for promotion last season and was a year early on them. Um, so I don't know. I can't remember who I tipped this year. I'll have to go back to my my predictions at the start of the season. But get your money on them for next year is probably the advice. <laughs> um, yeah, I look. I, I think Bolton were probably expected to go up at the start. They had a slow first couple of months, didn't they? But once they kicked on, their form since probably November December has, has been outstanding. Um, I'm a little bit sorry for Morecambe. Uh, I have a bit of a soft spot for him, which is, you know, the old, I managed them once in football manager and did really well, took them from like <laughs> bottom of the football league into the championship. Um, and, and 
so I've always got one of those sort of football manager-related soft spots for them. They've had a great season, uh, Morecambe, and, and I would love to see them do it in the playoffs. They're if in I've good got form pick, as well. They are in good form. They've ended the season well. But if I've got to pick a playoff team in League Two, I'm going to go with Newport County. The, the, the Newport know the way around like knockout games, don't they? Yeah, they, they, again, a little bit like the Sunderland thing. I just kind of feel maybe this is their turn. Um, and I know it doesn't always work like that. But I, I just feel like they had a dip, didn't they? And a couple of weeks ago, it looked like they missed, might miss the playoffs altogether. Um, and then just when it's when it's mattered, even yesterday, I think they were 1-0 down for a lot of that game at, at, at Southend who were already relegated. And they've just found a way. And it, it hasn't been pretty, but they've found a way. And I think that mental toughness they've had to show in the last month when their form wasn't great and their, um, you know they, they weren't beating teams handsomely, that mental toughness to do what they needed to do in, in the games that were necessary to get themselves over the line, uh, I think that might serve them well in the playoffs. Yeah, uh, I, I really don't know who, who, who again, who, who's going to come up. If I had to pick a team, I, I would probably suggest that I think Markham are in good enough form um, to, to go over the line. But yeah, um, Newport are... The the wise old owls at, at, at that kind of football. Yeah, they've been, they've done this playoff game a few times. I mean, not had huge success at it, obviously, because they haven't gone up. But um, but but they've got enough playoff experience, I think, in that squad and enough um, enough ability as well. And and I just think, like I say, that the fact that they've had to sort of rely on their metal the last few weeks. A lot of times, Dan, these playoff semi-finals, you know what they're like. They come down. They almost come down to who who blinks first. Um, and it's the team that can kind of just stick at it, even when the tie looks like it's going away from them, that, that come through and, and prosper. So that's that's why my inclination is for Newport. Again, at the other end, we've talked about Grimsby and we've talked about South End during the season. Very sad what's happened at both clubs. Um, but I, no surprise that they've gone down as a result. No, exactly. I, I think, you know... I wouldn't bank on either Southend or Grimsby making a, 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 you know, an immediate return. And that's really sad because they're both good clubs with good football league pedigree. I know, obviously, Grimsby have been down and come back once in recent years. Southend, we talked about it a few weeks ago. They haven't been down for a long, long time since they were out of the football league. It's 60, 70 years or something like that. So, um, yeah, there's, there's so such fundamental issues at both clubs. Um, that I'm not sure I see either of them uh, bouncing straight back. Yeah, there's there's there's, there's room for for doubt. There's, there's some teams who will be in the conference who have probably held their um, the powder back this season with the uncertainty, but with fans returning um, pretty soon, they might have to rely on a bigger budget for the summer. I think that's right, and I, I just think the National League generally is a really, really competitive league. Um, and you know, I, I go and watch some National League games occasionally when you know when we're allowed out the house. Uh, <laughs> but um, you, you know, there are some good clubs in that league already. The likes of you look at the top six, top seven of that league: Torquay, Stockport, Hartlepool, Halifax, Wrexham, Notts County, Chesterfield. They are all football league clubs to me. Um, now, I know they're not in the Football League because they're in the, the National League, but I remember all of those clubs as Football League clubs. They're all in top seven or eight. Um, it is a competitive, competitive league. And I think unless they can get the, the fundamental issues that those clubs sorted over the summer, um, they probably won't have the biggest budgets. 
they won't just be able to rely on being an ex-league club because, well, there's so many of them that are ex-league clubs now. Yeah, and as as well, the thing with the National League is it's well behind because it had to stop. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, yeah, they've still got some games to, to go before they get to the finish. Yeah, I'm just looking at the league table now. The most that's been played is 39 games. Uh, obviously, okay. obviously, they're a team down because of, of Dover's demise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. So, so we'll need to have a look at how that kind of works itself out. But I think you're right. There's um, obviously two of those clubs you would expect to come up, albeit Sutton are still up there, aren't they? Um, but you know, there'll be five or six of those ex-football league clubs who've just missed out this season, who will be back up and amongst it again next year, uh, competing with the, the teams who've come down. So, uh, yeah, it'll be an interesting league to watch next season. Um, it'll be interesting to see the final weeks of this season, of course, as well. But, um, you know, I, I, I just think it, it isn't just that they've been bad football teams on the pitch at either Southend or Grimsby, and that's my worry for them. Yeah. It's that there are more fundamental problems. Yeah, and unfortunately in times of financial crisis, which we are in football yeah. at the moment, um, those pro- problems become tenfold more of a concern as time goes along. Um, if we move on to other bad clubs, um, UEFA have meted out the punishment for the the breakaway six, the bad six, the big six, the not-so-smart, not-so-well-enveloped-in-the-convictions six, whatever you wish to call them. <laughs> um, they've been punished. Now, for, for me... The ultimate punishment would have been to stick the whole six of them in to the the GM Europa Vauxhall Conference League or whatever it's called. <laughs> but um, there's been some a bit more of a financial aspect to things. Yeah, are they fining them all one and a half percent? It was five percent of of five percent uh, prize money. Five percent of prize money. Okay. I mean, look, you know, I think we all expected that it probably was going to be financial rather than suspensions from. Um, European competition because that doesn't that doesn't help UEFA. Uh, you know, UEFA want the Champions League to continue to be a cash cow. A because it makes them money, and B because the way to keep the big name clubs in it long term is to make it more financially enriching for the big clubs, as we've talked about before. UEFA are no angels; they they want the same as the big clubs want. They want loads of money in the Champions League. Um, so, you know, they were never going to suspend them from competitions for a year, which I saw people saying. And, you know, I, I think there'd have been a, an argument for that, Dan, frankly. Uh, and as a Liverpool fan who's terrified of having a season in the Europa League uh, and would rather not be in Europe at all, you might have preferred a one-year suspension. <laughs> it might have been conveniently timed. But I don't think that was ever a likely outcome. So um, not shocked by where it's ended up. Uh, clearly, we'll need to see what, what happens next. Um it looks like all the club owners have said they're going to pay the fine out of their own personal wealth, which uh, is encouraging to see because, um, you know, the, the supporters of the club shouldn't be suffering for their greed and, and, you know, would potentially if it was money that could have been spent on other areas. So that's a positive. Um, shows at least that there is some level of accountability being taken. Uh, but again, you know, as I, as I said the last couple of times we've spoken about this subject, Dan, I, I, I think... It failed this time in this model, in this format. But I don't think the new Champions League format is that far away from... It, it's certainly still a step heading on the same direction. Yeah, um, I don't see what, where, where, the, where it deviates, to be honest. No. And I, don't, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't like the Champions League format. 
No, nor do I. We've we've talked about it before. Huge numbers of group games, giving two teams who didn't qualify a kind of wild card based on past performance. The idea that that's going to stick at only two wild cards forevermore is just it is for the birds in my mind. I think <laughs> more likely, you know, within a couple of years, we'll be saying, oh, maybe we give four wild cards and six wild cards and eight wild cards. And before you know it, you, you're very close to what the, the breakaway clubs wanted anyway. Well, um, that, that's it. What, what, what's next? Bully special prize for the bottom team. Team who finished bottom <laughs> of the league. Just, oh, let's secure them a season in the Champions League. Never mind parachute payments. They can have some Champions League prize money instead. <laughs> So, you know, um, we'll, ha- we'll have to wait and see. I think the, the fact that the Jones have said they're going to pay it out of their own pockets is positive. Um, that's the, the only sort of positive I can make out of the entire situation, which we've discussed at length before and which was a bit of a shambles. Um, the thing I wanted to ask you, Dan, is Champions League final in England, given it's two English clubs and we're not supposed to be travelling anywhere, surely that's just common sense? Yeah. Yeah, it is, completely. Um, so, so it won't the, happen. The, therefore, you were for, <laughs> <laughs> you were for a really giving it some thought. Um, I think that uh, has the, the Champions League final twenty twenty been decided the location of? Because if it hasn't, just give it to Istanbul. Uh, so, so I think I think I think they were, weren't they supposed to be going to Switzerland? Uh, let, let's let's use Google. I'm not sure. Anyway. Um, the, the 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 point is it it should come it should come to England it should be common sense um you know we have the stadia I don't think Wembley's free because I think it clashes with a playoff weekend so I don't think they could use Wembley um but you know we could move other things around there's the Olympic Stadium I've got West Ham on now I, I, you know that's clearly a, a pretty big venue that you could fit enough people in I don't know whether it's got the required status I know Old Trafford's a category uh, category one European stadium whether people would think that was too much of an advantage to Man City if you hold the final down the road at Old Trafford I don't know but there's a Millennium Stadium there's Hamden if you want to go to Scotland I I just think in a a world where there's a global pandemic and we should be limiting unnecessary travel making two English clubs play a Champions League final somewhere other than England doesn't make a lot of sense Firstly given Manchester City's record at Old Trafford. I am very much opposed to them playing there. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a difficult one. Um, I, I, you could make an argument to play at Anfield. I don't want to see either of those teams lift anything at Anfield. And if the owners have got any sense, they'll see that and not not try and bid. I'm sure you'd feel the same. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if Anfield's a cat one. I don't think the Emirates is a cat one either. I think they're both cat two. So well, well, I don't talking about I... wild cards. What about Goodison? <laughs> I mean, you know, Dan, I'm a big fan of Goodison. I like an old rickety football stadium where the toilets smell and the and the um, and the ground shakes when the home team score. That's my kind of football stadium. Um, I think UEFA would have kittens about the prospect of playing their final. There. Yeah, um, I, I'm not so sure the theatre of beams is, uh, is is ready for that. Um, the, the Champions League final in 2022 is penciled in for the Gazprom Arena, which is Saint Petersburg. But well, that's for next year, 2022. Yeah, yeah. So, so what I mean is that right. like, they can't just say, "Oh, well, I suppose they could delay it a year and say, right." Well, I think, I think this year is Istanbul. That's right. It is, yeah. So it's just a case of first for Istanbul's one won it. Right. They should host the final at some point. It just might but need got, to be 2023's final instead. 
got you. Um, yeah, no, I think that's right. I, I think clearly, if we're if we're taking it off Istanbul just because the circumstances are the circumstances, then it should still go back to Istanbul at the first at the first opportunity. That's that's clear. Yeah. Um, and let, let's play. Let, let's go for the nineteen nineties FA Cup semi finals. Just play a bit for the park. <laughs> Again, you know. Some of the great FA Cup semi-finals that we remember were played at Villa Park. Uh, again, I just—it's not the way it's done these days, is it? But um, I remember great FA Cup. Semi- I remember a great FA Cup semi-final being played at Highbury. Between, yeah. Uh, was it Chelsea and Wimbledon? I think. I, I, the, um, it rings a bell. Certainly, Liverpool Portsmouth was at Highbury in 1992. Yeah. So you know, I remember the days when we used to play the semi-finals at other neutral grounds. I loved it, but it's never coming back. So you know, I'll—I'll I'll just. You know, I'll give up on that one, Dan. I think there's enough arguments for things that haven't gone the wrong way yet to try and argue about causes that are already lost. Got, got to be honest, Paul, I think the prospect of playing the game at Highbury is a little bit remote. <laughs> yeah. I think the residents may have a bit of a problem if the balls keep flying through their window. I think some of the residents might be a bit more mobile than Roberto Firmino. <laughs> and probably the most, more mobile than Thiago Silva, more relevant to, to, to that, but... Uh, yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting to see. For, for my money, it needs to be played in Britain somewhere. Yeah, or, I think it should. Yeah, and we, I, I, we can't even say. Well, what about Dublin? Because Ireland are in a different stage of lot of recovery to to us, and um, they're still in lockdown. Aren't they? They're not on the on the uh, the green list even. Um, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So we can't just say, well, let's let's all go to. Um, Excuse me, we can't just say that's the Aviva. I've just got a list up here, Dan. Um, I was calling the the top rank category one, of course, UEFA do it the other way around. The top rank of stadiums is actually category four. (laughs) It goes goes the other way. You you count down rather than up. Anyway, leaving that aside, what I can see on the list for the UK is the Millennium Stadium, Cardiff, Old Trafford, Manchester, and Wembley Stadium, London. So it would have to be one of those three. And if you're taking, um, I can't even see Hamden, although I thought Hamden was. Oh yeah, I've missed Hamden. Hamden is there. So so they are the four stadiums essentially that are ranked as high enough category for UEFA to play a final there. Um, if London's busy with a, a playoff game that can't be moved, uh, and it would be a bit harsh to say to whichever division it is, sorry mate, your playoff final's been bumped. <laughs> but if if London's out, then then you're looking at Cardiff, uh, um, Hampden Park, or or Old Trafford, and, and Old Trafford would probably be out, wouldn't it? If we think about it from the, the perspective, as you've already said, of, um, of Lo- locality. Uh, locality to Manchester City, so that does make it a bit trickier because politically, you've then got to get Nicola Sturgeon or, or Mark Drayford to to be content with an influx of you know. UEFA delegates who will no doubt still attend into their cities. Um, whereas I think, you know, convincing Bosel wouldn't have been too difficult. But um, you just said, we'll stick some money in the kitty. They've been all over it. But uh, it might be a bit trickier elsewhere. I, I just think common sense should prevail. But as we know, it rarely does. Just tell Nicola Sturgeon that Jay DeFranson said that she's not capable of hosting an event. <laughs> but uh, we don't want to go down that particular <laughs> rabbit hole, do we? Uh, as um, as Everton took the lead at West Ham. Oh, I must be a little bit behind you. Yeah, I'm still I'm still on a slight delay, Dan. I've yeah, I've not seen that goal. Well, there we are. There we are. 
I'd obviously paused just before the kickoff, and as a result, I'm a few seconds behind. A... Um, that's a big goal because obviously, uh, with Leicester's result the other night, and we were talking about it before we went live, um, if West Ham could win their games, I think West Ham would make the top four. Uh, but obviously, in order to win games, you need to score more goals than the other team. So, so far, not so good. <laughs> Quite. Um, if we move on to our next topic, then. A team that will not be in next season's Champions League for certain is Arsenal. Uh, I did watch the game on, on Thursday night, Paul. Very, very meek exit to, to Villarreal, I thought. Never really got going. Mikel Arteta no. has kind of been linked with the, the Barcelona job. Not seen that recently. Um, where, where does he go for me and where do Arsenal go for me for that matter no it was it was a very over, over the two legs to be honest Dan I think 2-1 flattered us um, and not Villarreal I thought the first half of the first leg they were comfortably better than us the second half of the first leg was a scrappy game and then the other night while I thought Arsenal had a lot of the ball I thought the team that looked, looked more likely to score I know he hit the post a couple of times but team that was more likely to score was was Villarreal so it was a really disappointing performance I thought Arteta got the tactics wrong in both games he played with the false nine in in Villarreal last week which we'd never done before and then he changed the system again on Thursday night and rather than playing the kind of 4-2-3-1 we normally play he played like a 4-1-4-1 with party as a kind of single sitting player in midfield and as a result At times, it felt like we got five attackers up the pitch, but nobody to get the ball to them. Um, And we really, really struggled to play with any urgency or any fluency at all. I thought probably the first 10 minutes of the second half, I thought, right, we've come out with a bit of energy to us. That slowly dissipated. And and it was, as you say, a really meek exit. And a disappointing exit, because I think as much as we're not a good side at this moment in time, I think we have enough ability in the in the squad to be beating Villarreal with no disrespect meant to Villarreal. Um, but we just didn't play well enough over the two games. And, and unfortunately, there have been too many occasions this season uh, when you've been able to say that about Arsenal's performances, that they just haven't been at the level that's been required. The Arteta question and the where do Arsenal go from here question, I think whatever happens with Arteta, and I'll come on to that in a moment, Arsenal need to carry on with the job that they started in the winter transfer window, which was really moving out some of the deadwood. Um, you know, we got Ozil, Mustafi and Kalasinak out in um, January. Uh, I think there's an opportunity to move three or four more on in um, at the end of the season. I think there's, there's a crop of the young players there who haven't quite made the breakthrough. The, the Eddie and Ketias. Um, the Reese Wilson, uh, Reese Nelsons, the possibly Ainsley Maitland Niles. I'd be interested in having Joe Willock back, having seen how well he's done at Newcastle. He's done very well at Newcastle. Um, he's, he's, he's been a real catalyst for them, hasn't he? On on loan, I'd be interested in having him back and giving him another another chance. But I think there's that group of young players that haven't quite had the breakthrough that Smith Rowe and Saka have had, who who I'd look at. Um, at moving on, and then I think you know it's probably time for Hector Bellerin to go to pastures new. I don't think they're going to extend David Luiz, so I think his his contract will expire. Um, I'm personally still of the view, and I was of the view last summer uh, that Arsenal should cash in on one of Lacazette or Aubameyang. Um, you know whether whether there's any appetite for selling Aubameyang given the contract he signed last summer. Not sure. He's 31. How much money would you get for him? Lacazette's 30. Similar question. Um, I think Lacazette's only got a year left after this one. So you, 
you know, I, I think they have to probably move one of those two centre forwards on. Uh, that will likely come down to how much trust they have in Martinelli to be a kind of backup as a centre forward option next season. They've used him mainly wide so far. Um, but I think that's critical. Almost before you get to incomings, they have to continue the job of moving people on who are on wages, bloating the squad and not really adding a great deal. Um, I might be harsh and put Nicola Pepe and, and Willian in that same category. Uh, we're not going to get anyone to take Willian's contract on. That would be an absolute miracle. Um, <laughs> but it was a bad signing from the off. And I spoke about that when we the before the season preview and why I didn't think that was a good move. Um, and, and yeah, I, I mean, you wouldn't get much back for Pepe, but for me, he's had his chances and not delivered. I've not seen him um, do anything worthwhile. You know, and I think Smith Rowe and Saka and, and the little bits and pieces that you've seen from um, Martinelli uh, and, and even the bits and pieces we've seen on loan from, from Martin Udegaard, although I didn't think he had his best game the other night, uh, have certainly given me more encouragement than, than Pepe's performances. So, um, With regards to Udegaard, Paul, sorry, just to come in there. Yeah, yeah, by all means, Dan. Do, do you think, number one, Arsenal will try and keep him and number two, is that likely to happen because from everything indicates that he's going back to Real Madrid and Real Madrid have been suitably impressed by his performances. Yeah, I think Arsenal would, would be interested. I don't know if he's their first choice. Um, the stories in the paper this weekend are that they they will want to go back in for the boy from Leon, whose name I can't say. It sounds like you've dropped something on your toe, Dan. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I... Uh, I think that will be their first preference, but they clearly want to add another player of that type, a kind of number 10 type. Um, I know the God's done well. I think you know he hasn't quite picked up where he left off, having had the little, the little spell out injured. Um, but pre-injury, we think back to that game at West Ham when we were 3-0 down, and he was sensational in the second half. Uh, and he had a, a couple of really good games around that period. So, um, yeah, I think that's... a a question that they'll need to solve, whether it is with with uh, with the French boy or whether it's with um, Odegaard. Uh, they will want someone in that number 10 position. They are actively looking for a right-back, I believe. They need another left-back because Chiarantini is excellent, but he does miss the odd game injured, and at the moment he's the only left-back in the squad. Uh, you know, we've seen Granit Xhaka playing there, which, you know... You don't need to be a genius to work out that's not a good idea. Uh, so I, I think from a squad perspective, that's where they are. I think I'll also say, Dan, they need more out of Thomas Party. Uh, he has not played like a £50 million midfield player. I thought, again, while he was asked to do a lot the other night, and that probably wasn't entirely fair on him, I thought he was poor. He was very poor in the first leg at Villarreal. The second goal was him just not doing the basics and tracking his, his man at a corner. They need to get more from him. I, th- I think he's been a disappointment for the money they spent. Again, he's had injury problems. We've talked about that before. He doesn't look still to me as though he fully trusts his body. Um, but uh, that that's going to be a critical position because I still think in central midfield, they probably need one more. Um, but they also need to get better performances, more consistent performances out of party. Um, so they need three or four players. My personal view on Arteta, and I think the club's view on Arteta at this moment in time, is that he should get another season. Um, I think Arsenal have had so many changes in the last three or four, well, five years, really, going back to kind of um, 
the the, the first contract extension Wenger signed after the uh, the Chelsea Cup final win. Um, and then they had that one summer of kind of this was going to be all in with Wenger and then he went the next year and then they had two summers of Unai Emery and then you know we had the aborted summer last year with with Arteta we've had three or four different people as the kind of transfer gurus in that time from um uh the fella from Dortmund whose name escapes me and then Raul Sanili uh no not Zork his understudy um Name will, name will come to me at some point. Um, Diamond Eye was his nickname. I can't remember what his proper name was. Um, Edu. And then, and then, obviously, Edu now. And and you just kind of think it would be nice to have the same manager and, and transfer guru in charge for a second summer, let them continue the process they've started. Uh, I also think when I look at the league table, you know, a win today, okay, we shouldn't take for granted with Arsenal at the moment play West Brom at home later if Arsenal win that game they go ninth when I look at the teams above them the only one who I'd have said at the start of the season isn't probably ahead of us is West Ham who've had a great season and outperformed everyone's expectations of them you look at the other teams at the start of the year and you probably would have thought they'd be ahead of Arsenal Um, and I think that's you know uh, that's kind of where we are at the moment. I think probably Everton as well might be above us. So there's maybe the two teams in this game that, that's on now. But you look at the rest and they should be above us. So we kind of have to realise a little bit where we are as well. It is a big job. We are still early in the turnaround. But we need to stop making bad decisions and, and we need to start having summers where all of our signings hit. And I've just talked about party. I thought Gabriel was brilliant until he had the COVID at Christmas time. He hasn't quite picked up in the same form in the second half of the season. But I'm, I'm pretty confident we'll, we'll see more of what we saw early on from him next year. Will Saliba come back from his loan and play? Who knows? You know, these are guys, just those three I've mentioned there, party, Gabriel and Saliba, that we've spent £100 million on over the last two summers on those three players. And at the moment, we haven't got enough for that hundred million. With Saliba, uh, you've got nothing. Well, Saliba, we haven't. He hasn't played a competitive game for us. So, you know, that, that's that's where we are. We can't keep having windows where we're throwing away hundreds of millions of pounds. We've talked about Pepe, seventy-two million. It, it isn't anymore that Arsenal haven't spent money. They've just spent it badly. Yeah. Uh, and they can't afford to do that again. I think the one exception I would make to my general view that Arteta should get another crack. For as much as anything, because I don't think change for change's sake helps anyone. But if the rumours that Arsenal could get Allegri are true, then Arsenal should fire Arteta and appoint Allegri. I thought Allegri was the guy who should replace Arsene Wenger. Um, he is, to me, a top five manager in world football. If he is available and wants the Arsenal job, Arsenal should give it to him. Um, now, he talked to the club when Wenger left, and they obviously weren't on the same page at that stage. He still had a job at that stage, don't forget. He was still at Juventus. He hadn't, he hadn't actually, or, or maybe he just moved on. I can't remember. I think he, was, he actually did one more year after that at Juventus, as I, as I remember. He wasn't out of work. Um, so whether that changes the dynamic now and be willing to have that conversation, I don't know. But I kind of feel like a little bit like Liverpool did when, when Jurgen Klopp was available. And they sort of thought, well, you know, We've got a chance to get Jurgen Klopp. It's not that we're desperate to sack Brendan Rodgers, 
but we've got a chance to get Jurgen Klopp, so we're going to definitely make the change. Um, I think that is the sort of position I think Arsenal are in with Arteta if, if Allegri is genuinely available. Personally, I'm not sure I buy the paper talk on Allegri. I think it's probably an agent somewhere trying to, trying to stir the pot. Um, my gut instinct tells me even if Allegri is available, that Arsenal will stand pat with, with Arteta. But my personal view is if you could get Allegri, then you should go and do it. The opportunity to get these top five or six managers in world football, they don't come along very often. Yeah, no, you're completely right to draw the comparisons with um, with Jurgen, um, who, who we we sat in the October and yeah, uh, sorry, no, we we sat Brendan Rodgers in yeah, yeah. <laughs> unless something's happened in the last hour, Dan, we're in May and not October. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah um, Bre- Bre- we, we sat Brendan Rodgers in in like October, and that Jurgen had left Dortmund in the in the summer in the summer when he wanted a break. Yeah, now. now you can't discount the fact that Liverpool have spoke to. I'm sure they did, in fact, spoke to to, to Jurgen well before, and yeah. he, he said, "Not now. I will, but not now." Yeah, and and you know we all know again. It's not instinctively, Dan. It's not the way I like to do business. I think you decide whether your manager deserves sacking, and if he does, you sack him, and then you decide who you're going to replace him with. But when I look at both Liverpool and Manchester City, they identified Klopp and Guardiola before they decided to sack their manager. Yeah, definitely. In both cases. And, you know, they, they are so few and far between the sort of super managers, and I hate that phrase, but the super managers now in world football, there aren't that many of them around. And like I say, I think if Arsenal have an opportunity to snag one, they'd be well-pressed well to, to go and do that. I, I think Allegri, his teams aren't going to be super expansive. That's not his style. They're a little bit more pragmatic. Oh, West Ham should have just equalised. What a chance that is. Um, they'll be a little bit more pragmatic, but at the same time, his, his track record speaks for itself. He's a winner. Um, you know, he won at Milan. He won at Juventus. Uh, I'm convinced he'd come and do really well in the Premier League. Um, and again, you look at what Arteta's got to compete with if he wants to get Arsenal back to the very top. And it is Guardiola. It is Klopp. It is Thomas Tuchelouse come and done superbly well so far at, at Chelsea. Um, Allegri's a man you could definitely put in that in that calibre, in that category. So um, I don't think it'll happen, but if that was an opportunity, I'd, I'd jump at it. Otherwise, it might sound boring and it might sound a little bit too cautious, but I would stay the course for another year with Arteta um, and take a view at Christmas as to where we are. Uh, but he will have to have better performances next year and more consistent performances. Well, Wayne Rooney seems to have mastered the LMA folded arm stance if you're interested in giving him a look at Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I think I think they may hopefully there are better options available than Wayne Rooney, but um but we'll see. There's definitely managers with a better head of hair than available than Wayne Rooney. Well Mikhail's got a great head of hair, you wouldn't sack him for his hairline. No, he 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 doesn't look um, a day over over thirty, really, does he, Michalata? No, no, he doesn't. Uh, what else? Did he looks have? as though he could still play in our midfield, frankly. <laughs> well, with the way that the injuries have gone this season, I keep looking at Stephen Gerrard never receding her line at Rangers. I'm thinking <laughs> we could do with him for the, on a six month loan. Um, is, was there anything else that we had to cover? I don't think so, Dan. I think I think we've cantered through. Yeah, I think I think I think we have. I think we've, we've about done. Yeah. Um, Normally we we go through the football league at the uh, the end of the the program, but the football league was the main 
part of the program yeah. this week. Um, but love love some football league, and I'm looking forward to the playoffs. I'm just glad for the benefit of um, re- relatives and in-laws that um, that both managed to get that done automatically. Yeah, it's um, you know the playoffs are never good on on one's um, nerves, are they? Uh, no, the, 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 obviously not by me. But there was copious amounts of Superbot confirmed. Sorry, copious amounts of Superbot <laughs> consumed in uh, in my house yesterday. Yeah, and, um, and with good reason. Yes, yeah, and um, do, do you know what? Yeah, I, I mean, just one thing I meant to ask with the playoffs. I'm guessing, and given that the Monday the seventeenth is kind of this this magical date where you can get 25% capacity, I imagine that the playoffs are going to have fans. I imagine they are as well. So that that will, will spice things up a little bit. Well, at least well. the finals. Yeah, I, I think the first kind of playoff game, I, I want to say it's the, the championship games, and I want to say that it's after the 17th. I'm just going to check now, because... If that's the case, if that's the case, then the, the the playoff games, and from what I can see, that is the case. Monday the seventeenth is when the championship games are between um, Bournemouth and Brentford, and Barnsley and Swansea. So from what I can tell, they're going to have fans. I know. Oh, Monday, yeah, yeah, you're I, right, Dan. I, I've got yeah the championship on the seventeenth, League One on the eighteenth and nineteenth, and then. Uh, so League One play eighteenth, nineteenth, twenty first, and twenty second. Um, are the second legs of the championship are twenty second as well. So, so yeah, it looks like that week, doesn't it? That week that fans are back in. I don't know if they've planned it for that purpose, but it looks like that's when the games sort of come together. And then the finals are in their traditional slots on that end of May bank holiday weekend, Saturday championship, Sunday League One. Monday League Two. It used to be the other way around, didn't and it was it? much Famously. better. Much better yeah. when it was. Famously, the championship, that, that great Sunderland-Charlton final, was that 99? I think so. was on the bank holiday Monday that was 4-4 and went to penalties. I remember that really clearly. One of the reasons that I've often had a soft spot for Bolton before I, I met Joe was um, Bolton 4, Reading 3, which was the playoff final in, I want to say, 1995. I think it was 95, and the irony around that, the reason it was 95, I remember it, is because Bruce Rioch then left to become Arsenal manager, and he was our manager in 95-96, and that was his one season. Uh, But also, the irony of that final was Reading had finished second. Yes, they had. But it was the year they were reducing the Premier League from 22 to 20, so only one team came up automatically. Yes, I, I remember. I remember it well. Yeah, I, and that was one of the, it was one of the first playoff games I can remember. But it's long stayed in my memory. It's been one of the most exciting games, and it kind of set a benchmark for Championship football. And, yeah, you know, it, it's it's always been that way. Just, just one one quick thing about that that May the seventeenth day. I think this it might be kind of deliberate planning because. The Super League games, and I mean Rugby League, not the Super League. This has already <laughs> long since been abandoned after two days. Um, the, 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 the Super League games for the weekend have actually been delayed until Monday the seventeenth because we can get fans in. So I'm in a right. ba- I'm in a ballot. I might be able to go to a game of rugby on the seventeenth of May. Those games were delayed specifically to get four thousand fans in, which is twenty five percent capacity. Yeah. So, now it may well be deliberate, and if it is, great because I think you know. 
playoffs with a bit of an atmosphere with a few fans in the in the stands, even if it's nowhere near capacity, that's got to be a good thing. Yeah, I mean, the, I, I was watching the Portsmouth game before, and I, I could hear the jabroni with the bell. He, he he was stood outside the stadium ringing that, that in, infernal chime thing. Um, in vain as well by in, the end. In, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there, there was no no prospect of Portsmouth winning that game at all. They were they were pretty poor. And whether the Cowleys decide to take that job on permanently or not, I don't know. But yeah, that that will be the question, won't you, to Portsmouth? Because um, they had that initial bounce when the Cowleys took over, but then they've just sort of fallen at the at the last really in the last couple of weeks and. Uh, be interesting to see whether they take that job or, or whether, in fact, Portsmouth offer them that job or whether they move on. Well, Harry's not busy. I think I, I, well, I, I think, think he is now, isn't he? Isn't he doing this TV show with Jamie and that big fat comedian fella? <laughs> Is that James Corden? No, the the one who's very cockney. Apparently, he's Redknapp's mate. Oh, I, I have no idea. I kind of, if they're not on Mot the Week, I don't really tend to to pick up new comedians these days. <laughs> I think he's named Tom something. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, but I, I think Harry, whilst Harry might be welcome back at Portsmouth, I don't think uh, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Avram Grant's not busy either, but I don't think he'll be getting wheeled out. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. No. Right, OK. Uh, thanks very much for your time, Paul. Um, we we hope, Hopefully Khan will have been released by Count Binface by the next time. Um, that, that we, we convene, but I'd just like to remind you all that um, the Big Football podcast is available to download on Podbean, uh, iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Music. You can subscribe, and every not weekly at the moment, sure, will be delivered directly to your device. And um, we might have some more Count Bin first stories for you next time. So, <laughs> thank you very much for your time, and we'll catch you again after a while. <laughs>